Not fair. That's not fair. Thank you. <sighs> okay, don't roll the cameras yet, because I got to... Thank you. That's very kind. But we've got something we've got to record for all the campuses tomorrow. So, hey, campuses, welcome. It's good to see you online at River Valley Church. We're so glad you're here. And we're thankful that you are watching no matter where you are. It's just fun to have an opportunity to speak to our house because I love this place. And the, the one I want to acknowledge first, I wasn't going to cry, but here I'm crying, was Pastor Rob. Pastor Rob, thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you for trusting me. <clears throat> okay, let's jump in. Hey, Paul... Um, you all know Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament, smart guy, but he wrote a, a couple of letters to a son in the faith. His name was Timothy. And, and he, Paul called him a son in the faith because he invested so much into him. Timothy was the pastor of Ephesus. It was a, a crazy city. It was a city that was filled with Greek and Roman culture um, a lot like our culture, not very Christ-like, not very godly at all. They worshiped everything and anything except the one true God. And Paul wrote to his son, uh, his son in the faith, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1, he said, I am filled with joy as I think of your strong faith that was passed down through your family line. It began with your grandmother, Lois, who passed it on to your dear mother, Eunice, and it's clear that you too are following in the footsteps of their godly example. You know what? I, my heart resonates with Paul on that. I don't think there's any greater joy than someone for my age, and for those of you that can't tell on the camera, I'm old, I am well past 65, and I'm still going, but the most exciting thing that I see is the younger generation with a heart cry for the move of the Spirit of God, and that's why I love our house. Psalm 71, verse 17 says, Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. I got saved when I was nine. I've been serving God for 58 years. And I sense a cry in the spirit in our house for the hunger of the Holy Spirit, like I experienced when I was 20. And I want to fuel it and flame it and cheer it on. I love the young people in our house. And to this day, I declare your wondrous works. Now, also, when I am old and gray-headed, and yes, I am gray-headed, thankful for my niece who does a good job of covering <laughs> the 99% of my head that is gray at this point in time. Oh God, you do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation your power to everyone who is to come. And that took a whole lot longer than it should have. But let me tell you my story really quickly. When I was 20, in my 20s, I was a part of a young church that was passionate about the move of God, just like this church is. And the unfortunate thing about that young church, which I didn't realize at the time, is there was no one in that church in my 20s who was older than 35. Now, we thought that was cool because the young people were pursuing God, yay. Little did I know that should have been a red flag because had we had some older people around us to speak into us, we would not have made some of the crazy decisions we made. So I promised myself at that point in time, as I grew older and continued to serve God, I would be that older person that would help the younger people in the church. Little did I know that that older person started happening in my life when I was 40. I didn't think I was old. 
but the 20-somethings that were coming into our church thought I was old. And they started coming to me with questions. And you know what it did? It, they, and they asked me different questions that I had when I was in my 20s. And so I had to get on my knees and get into the Bible and understand what God was saying to that generation so they could be relevant to their generation, right? And then at 50, I started to transition away from that church and, 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 it, and 50 hit me. 50 made me feel really old. 50 today feels really young to me, but then it felt old. And I was really talking, I was wrestling with God at that point in time. And I said, God, what's left? What am I supposed to do now? Right? I was out driving because I drive all over all the time, but I was driving. And when I posed that question to God, I, I'm going to say it this way. I think I heard God say, I'm pretty sure it was God say, Hey, Lindsay, the future's behind you. I'm like, And as I was driving, it dawned on me that at 50, in my chronological life, there was less road ahead of me than there was behind me. I'm not, I have no desire to live to 100, guys, none. And so more of my life had been lived at that point in time than I was going to continue to live. And as that kind of rolled around in my heart, I felt the Holy Spirit say, Lindsay, the, the future is behind you turn around and invest in the younger generations. That's why I love being at our church. That's why we need other old people like me. And, and uh, let me tell you that older is older than 40. Because as a 40-year-old, if you're in this church, there are 20-somethings that need to hear your voice because you've lived 20 years longer than they have and they have questions you can help them with. But if you're 60 65, a little bit older than me at 70, be around here, be here because this generation is going to start a move of God that they need our generation to speak into. Not to stop them, not to derail them, not to get in their way, but to hand off leadership and cheer them on. Can I, can I just say, now, let me, let me say this way. I'm getting way too excited and I haven't had much caffeine yet today at all. But God is our, our God, the God we love and serve is a God of generations. And in fact, when, when I think about that, the reality is um, the God we, we serve, the God we worship is infinite and he's eternal. That blows my mind. In fact, my finite brain, our finite brains can't get our mind around that. But when we serve and love and worship an an infinite God, why would we think that any single generation knows enough about him to have a corner on the market and to think that their way is the right way? Because there's so much more of God to learn and experience. See, I believe our God who never changes, not a shadow of turning in him, he's always the same, but for every generation, he will emphasize or reveal a different aspect of his unchanging character based upon the questions that that culture is asking that generation. Now, let me explain, let me just give a quick journey here. In the culture when I grew up, I was a child in the late 50s and early 60s. Going to church then was what everyone did. It wasn't questioned. It was in the social fabric 
of our nation at that point in time. Christianity was mainstream. Everyone called themselves a Christian. Everyone said that. The Bible was held in high regard. Authority was respected and obeyed. And young people, believe it or not, there were just three TV channels. <laughs> just three. And there might have been news in the morning. I'm not sure there was news in the morning because I was watching Captain Kangaroo and Romper Room. But, and old people get that, but... In the evening, there was 30 minutes of national news and there was 30 minutes of local news and we believed Walter Cronkite. We knew he was telling us the truth. Let's fast forward to today. The internet is pumping information at all of us faster than we can consume. We are on information overload and it's stressing way too many people out. Digital life dominates our landscape, dominates it, especially in the next generation. There's a 24-7 dialogue about the events of the day, criticizing anybody from any angle on any issue that they want to talk about, and it's all negative. They're always criticizing. The rate of change in our culture is mind-bending. Church is no longer mainstream, unless you're in this building. The Bible is no longer accepted as the absolute truth in mainstream America, and authority is questioned at every level. Do you think... Our 20-somethings, our high schoolers, our junior high schoolers are going to face different questions about God than I did. I think it's pretty evident, right? I was watching Tim Keller talk to Carrie Newhoff. Amazing. I think Tim Keller is next to God. But anyway, um, my, and he said this about our generations. In my generation, um, everyone understood that there was agreed upon social order of right and wrong. We knew what was right, we knew what was wrong. And when we did wrong, we felt guilty about it. So when you preached the gospel in church, what you had to say was, there's a, a, a Jesus, the son of God who died for you on the cross to forgive your sins. And that was the gospel and people got saved listening to that because it solved their guilt issue. When the Gen X came along, guilt wasn't as big an issue. And in fact, the, the big thing that Gen X faced was, discover their true identity. They wanted to find their true identity and they were on that quest. And I think some are still on that quest today. Um, and, and honestly, preaching to them was pretty simple too, that Jesus Christ, your identity is in Christ. We've heard that preached. I love that message. It's still true today. And by the way, it's still true that Jesus died on the cross and forgave our sins, but it's not the question people are asking today. Today, millennials are being pressured by culture in a couple of different ways, and they're asking different questions. They're confronted with different questions. Today, millennials and Gen Zs are being told by their culture that they can create their own identity, and they do it digitally in one format. They create a digital persona that they hope and they work hard that everyone will like so they'll feel good about themselves. But the issue is their digital persona doesn't match the real person behind the digital persona. And so they are filled with anxiety and fear and depression. And their mental health is sinking because they've created an artificial identity that the real them can't stand up to. And the other thing... Now, especially among Gen Z, they're being told they can even create their own identity sexually. And so what science tells them about who they are, they're denying and they want to create their own identity. 
And I just, I can tell you, church, they're not wired to be their own creator. They, they need different answers than what I got. The other thing that that generation that I, that I share in my generation is that they are pressured for an answer to so, for social justice issues. And, and this is not a political statement. Don't read it this way. We have issues we have to address. And this generation, I believe, is the generation that's going to come up with the right answers. But I don't think the right answer is for the oppressor to trade, the oppressor to trade seats with the oppressed. That's not going to solve the problem. But the gospel has the solution that all men are created equal in God's image and likeness, and they all deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. Let's work on that. That's what we need to help this young generation with. Young people, I, I just want to say, this is hard to admit, because I love the church and I love the gospel. But when it comes to racial truths, the church failed. Capital C Church. Because we believed lies about the, what the Bible taught. But can I say, young people, and this is so incredibly important, the gospel's not flawed. It's just carried by flawed human beings. But I believe your generation has a call to straighten that out. And I want to cheer you on to see you do it. I'm at your back. I want to help you. So to those of us that are older, here's the truth we have to remember. The truth of the gospel never changes. Never. Young people might question that. But the truth never changes. It's just how we present the truth that has to change. Right? Because millennials and Gen Z are facing different battles than I faced, they need a different battle strategy than I had. And I refuse to be a Saul that demands that they wear my armor to go try to beat their Goliaths. I want to be the one that will help them develop new spiritual weapons for them to win against their spiritual Goliaths. That's why. And so to my older friends in this room, and again, older is anybody past 40. Anybody in this room past 40? Okay. I thought so. So I'm not alone in this. Let me flip the coin. Anybody in here younger than 40 and wish you had someone older than you could, you could sit down and ask questions of and really glean some answers from? I hope you are. Yeah, there's a lot of them in here, and I'm sure they're at your campus too. So some in the older generation would say, what's my role? I think we're incredibly needed right now. But we're not needed, needed in out front roles. Giving up leadership roles doesn't lose our influence. Uh, this is unusual that I'm here. And honestly, when Pastor Rob called me, I was a little bit freaked out. Because I haven't been on this platform in a long time. And it's a very solemn, serious thing to do. But we need a generation my age, 40 and above, that will quit judging the younger generation and sit with them 
In fact, this is the way I said it. We don't need to wrestle against them. We need to wrestle with them in the gospel and find the answers to the questions they have to ask. Because, I, you, know, you know, some people in my generation are worried about the future of the church or America. I'm not. And you know why? Because I think the enemy is just going to overplay his hand so far that there is a revival coming that will sweep them all into the kingdom. So let, let's talk a little bit about how generations get together. Let me just make one statement too that's applicable to cr across all generations. Whether you're 15 and 15 year olds, maybe 18, maybe, I don't know exactly when it happens, but somewhere along the line, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds think their parents get really dumb. <laughs> and then maybe around 23, 24, 25, I think it's getting older these days, I'm not sure when, they all of a sudden realize how smart mom and dad were. Isn't that true that it happens in every generation? See how the enemy works in every generation? But let me say this, for whatever generation it is, if your thinking isn't being challenged by another generation, you're not growing. And I mean that for my generation. You know, when, when Pastor Rob called me and asked me to, to share this message, and all he did is just preach on generations. He didn't, he didn't do these notes. So if you don't like it, don't blame him. It's my fault, okay? <laughs> but when, when Pastor Rob called me, he said, he, he paid me a compliment. I don't exactly know, remember the exact words, but something along the line, you're not as old as you, you don't act as old as you really are. And I, no, 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 that was a good thing. He meant it really good. I'm not, I don't remember the exact way he said it, but I took it as a compliment. But anyway, and I, and I said to him, Pastor Rob, age is just a number. It's just counting the number of revolutions I've made around the sun. That's all it is. It's just the number of times I've traveled around the sun. And I'm almost enough to get dizzy doing that. But then I said to him, growing old is a choice. Growing old is a choice. And growing old happens when we choose not to learn, when we choose not to challenge our thinking, when we choose not to challenge ourselves to learn new things, when we choose not to engage with the younger generation. To all of those here and that are watching, they were so gracious today in sending me texts. I want to say thank you for keeping me young because you've challenged me and made me pray and dig into God in ways I wouldn't have if your presence in my life wouldn't have been there. I'm thankful to this church for keeping me young, for focusing on the next generation. I love that about our church. Old people, wherever you want to call old, if, only, if you only hang around with people your age, you're not learning anything. You're just not. Young people, same thing. If you're only hanging around people your age, you're not learning anything. So quit it.
But here's some things we have to do, right? This is how we're going to play this out. This is how we make this happen. Three quick ideas and two resources, okay? One, if this is going to work, if we're going to have a multi-generational church where we learn from one another and we grow better together, you guys, have you figured out that the enemy is trying to divide everybody? Let's not let him divide the generations in our church. Let's get together on this and make it even better than it's been in the past. So how do we do it? Let's love one another. And I don't mean ushy-gushy. Not ushy-gushy stuff. Younger generation, love means you treat each other with dignity and respect. You love each other enough to be involved in each other's life. Let's, older people, let me say it this way. Let's love the next generation enough to cheer them on and to be their biggest cheerleaders. Let's quit judging the way they dress, the way they, they think, the what they do. Let's lean in and love them and pray for them. Younger people, I got news for you. I was 15 once. If you hang around long enough, you're gonna wind up being my age. And I hope you hang around long enough. Just pause and realize that anybody older than you might have learned a thing or two that could help you on your journey. And in fact, young people, you are in the process of making decisions that will determine the course of your future. I would recommend you talk to someone 10, 15, 20, maybe even 40 years older than you and ask them what they would have changed, what they learned over that time so you can stand on our shoulders rather than coming along underneath the feet of what we've established. Please, let's love one another. Let's lean in. Let's believe the best of one another. And how you do that, that one, one other way to do that is to be curious about each other. You know, my younger friends say to me the one thing they love, and I'm honest, you guys, those that I, I didn't do this well, forgive me, but let's be curious about each other. Let's ask questions. You know, when, when I try desperately when a young person comes to me with a question and a challenge to not just tell them what to think. It's the dumbest thing we can do. So I apologize to all the young people that I have ever done that with. What's more valuable for them and for me is when they come with questions, I ask them questions back. I don't answer their, their questions. I help them wrestle with their questions, think through their questions, ask them questions about their questions. Why is that question even important? I want to be curious and lean in. And same thing, older people, younger people, when you're with older people, ask, ask, them, ask them questions about themselves. And, and then when it's time to tell your story, be honest about your story, older people. It helps younger people, right? Um, and the third one, and for anybody that's known me longer than 10 minutes, I just want to encourage us to pursue wisdom together. Let's pursue wisdom together. See, I think for my older generation, we worry about defending truth when I think much more, it's God's wisdom that needs to be revealed than truth that needs to be defended. Let me, let me just put it this way. When human hubris in any generation meets godly wisdom, which one do you think will win?
I think that's a pretty simple answer. James 3, 13 and 17 through 18 in the Message Bible says, do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well. I love that. Live wisely. Live humbly. It's the way you live. Not the way you talk that counts. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life. I wish I could teach on holiness right now, but we've got to get this finished. It's characterized by getting along with others. This next one, it is gentle and reasonable. Can I say that what's been going on in our country in the last 11 months is not godly wisdom? Because nothing about the rhetoric has been gentle and reasonable. Nothing. I want wisdom. Wisdom is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day and cold the next. Not two-faced. And this is what I'm after. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with one another and treating each other with dignity and honor. That's when we're going to see wisdom. Young people, that's when you're going to see a whole different depth to your life. Older people, don't eat at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what's right and wrong. Let's get back to eating from the tree of life where wisdom flows. How do we do this? A couple of practical tools. I told you I was going to give you a couple of practical tools. I look at our life group locator, and we have life groups, single-generation life groups for old people, and we have single-generation life groups for young people. Wrong. Wrong. In fact, if you're in a single-generation life group, why don't you find another single-generation life group of a different generation and start meeting together? And then you can multiply that group into smaller groups of multi-generational groups and pursue wisdom together. And I just found the greatest resource to do that. I can't speak highly enough for this. It's a book by Tim Keller and his wife, Kathy. It's called God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. It is on the book of Proverbs. You think Proverbs might have a lot to say about what's going on today. And you can sit down and pursue wisdom cross-generationally and learn from one another. And then the second resource, what if we did soap together across generations? So if you don't want to tackle a, a, a book on wisdom that is a year-long devotional, and I'm not saying you have to do it for a year, do a section at a time if you want, but why don't you just do soap together? And one of the greatest resources I found for reading the Bible and growing is the Bible Project videos. It's on the screen, bibleproject.com. It's a video that helps you understand that what's going on in our world today and what the church faces in our world today 
is exactly what the first century church was facing in their day. And that's when the church took off. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you're breathtaking. It's all you are. You're just breathtaking. You are constantly revealing more of who you are to our hearts. Father, I know there are people hurting in our service tonight at our campuses. Father, I pray that you would reveal your mercy and your love to them. Let your kindness draw them home. Father, for those that were challenged tonight, I pray that it would remain a challenge, not a condemnation, a conviction, not a condemnation. And that it would, we'd let it work in our hearts, Father, so that in the days to come, we would look more like Jesus. And Father, I thank you that River Valley needs every generation to be healthy and strong and to endure and triumph in this day because that's what you created your church to do. Father, we thank you for your grace and your goodness and the move of your spirit in our church. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.